Welcome to Elevate Your Life and Soul. I'm your host, Marla Kennedy, life coach, EFT practitioner, mama and writer, and I am so grateful you are here today. I help women shift from self-doubt to self-love so they can feel confident, and I'm really excited to be sharing this journey with you. So let's dive in and elevate your life and soul. Hey love, I'm jumping in to invite you to my new Facebook group, The Self-Love Community, Tips on How to Live a Purpose-Driven Life. This is a place to take everything you hear on the podcast to an even deeper level. We have conversations, live interviews, tips, all the things, and there is an amazing group of women in there. So head over to Facebook and come and join us. I can't wait to see you in there. See you soon. Welcome to today's episode. Today I am talking to Jackie Coburn. Jackie is an Enneagram and life coach in the New Jersey, New York City area and she works with individuals and companies to create sustainability and reach goals through self-awareness and emotional intelligence. Hi Jackie, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And let me know how it went with your introduction. Is there anything you would like to add? I'm five foot one. Don't think that matters, but (laughs) no, everything was fine. (laughs) Well, I'm five foot two, so we're pretty close in height. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so before we jump in, I always love to start my um, interviews with one question, and that is how do you start your day? Oh, okay. So I was actually talking to my sister about this because I was like, should I tell the truth? (laughs) Um, But I, um, I make a cup of coffee in a very big mug and I'm very particular about it, but I don't have children. So the only person I have to worry about is myself. Mm. So I make my big cup of coffee and whatever happens happens, but I sit on the toilet for 30 minutes just to sit there. I don't know why. And I sit there and I drink my coffee on the toilet. Like it's like a chair. Yeah. Cool. I love it. I love that you're honest about it. I love it. It's awesome. Um, That's really mindfully having your cup of coffee, which I really, really like. I think that's that's really cool. Um, Yeah. And what compelled you to become a coach and um, specialize in like Enneagram? And I'd love you to share what that is too for people who don't know. Yeah. So the Enneagram is a personality typing system, but basically it breaks people down into nine main types. You can vary, but um, based on your core fears, desires, and motivations, because out of those things, rather than character, that's kind of where um, your character comes from, the things that you're afraid of, the things that you desire or you're motivated by. And that really leads your actions. And so I've, I know I've always wanted to help people my, my whole life. As I was a kid, my mom always said she knew she was raising a philanthropist and didn't know what to do about it. <laughs> but um, yeah. I, I wanted to be a coach. And so I did something that's not very nice. And I scheduled like a fake call with a coach pretending to be like a prospective like client. And because um, I just wanted to see how she did it. And <laughs> yeah. so she talked to me for maybe 10, 15 minutes tops. Just asked me like where I went to school and what I studied, like surface level information, like you would talk to someone at a coffee shop 
Um, and then she said, you know, she abruptly ended the conversation by saying, I have this program and it's three months, it's $10,000 and we speak bi-weekly. And I, and I didn't say anything. And she said, I think it could really help you. And I, you know, told her I would think about it never called her back, but I, and perhaps she's worth that much. That's totally fine. Some people are more credit to you, but I had this moment where I was like, how does she know it's really going to help me? She doesn't know me. Mm-hmm. And I had this moment where I was like, wow, I, if I actually am in this business to help people be the best version of themselves, I have to know the best and worst versions of them first. And that's why I don't actually have specialized plans for my one-on-one clients until I meet them, until I get to know them and their Enneagram type, until I can really pin down who they are and what they specifically are trying to do. And so that's why I put the Enneagram in coaching. Mm, I love that. I really, I really love that because I mean, the style of coaching I do is, is very much in the moment kind of base. So it's ontological coaching, which is like your way of being. So you look at your language, emotions in your body and the integration of them. And it's really dependent on like where you are at that current time. It's not, it's not like a big plan from the get go when you've met someone. So I can have like a kind of base framework that I can put up there, but very often it's just going to go where the conversation goes on that day as that person's moods, what arises for them is what's going to lead the conversation. Um, And so I really, really um, resonate with your approach because I really feel that it's not a one size fits all. And you, yeah, Yeah. you've got to get to know your clients and stuff. So that makes that really makes a lot of sense. Human parts so complex. Humans are like layers and layers and layers and layers on top of a childhood wound and then layers and layers and layers. And so really like I I think that you would be doing not only the client but yourself a disservice expending all of this useless energy into trying to fit your client into a specific mold when really it actually takes less effort to get to know somebody and use your natural abilities to help them. takes less effort like takes less time yeah totally I totally agree um and so what would then would you say is your mission my mission um simply is I help people give language to their fears desires and motivations to help them live a sustainable life when they can put language to it um, and that's really what self-awareness is like if you can put language to those things you figure out a whole different side to who you actually are because communication, um, it's not just verbal. Communication is your heart to your head as well. Mm, Yeah, definitely. Um, And so what is self-awareness? I know that's a big part of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So it's in a nutshell, it's the knowledge of yourself, but not just where you come from. Self-awareness is your feelings, your desires, your motivations, your characteristics, your blind spots, your hot spots, everything that makes you you, not just who, but what and why at any given moment. So someone who's self-aware, when someone asks them, who are you, they can 
answer, but in a moment of ballistic or rage and someone says, what are you feeling? They can actually answer honestly and in depth. That's what self-awareness is. Mm. And what was the catalyst for your self-awareness journey? <laughs> so um, I, I grew up in, in an environment where, and I love my background, but I grew up in an environment where there was a lot of suppression of myself mm. and I, I experienced a lot of trauma. I experienced unfortunately, a lot of relation, relationship abuse and just so many different areas. And it got to the point where there was a year, uh, many years back that I felt like I hit a wall. I just, I didn't know who I was and I didn't care. And I felt like there was this mirror in front of my face and I didn't know what self-awareness was. I didn't understand. I didn't think that was a thing. And I just woke up one morning and literally just this realization, I don't know where it came from, but I was just like, if someone asked me who I was, I wouldn't know. And if somebody asked me what I liked, I wouldn't know. And if someone asked me what ticked me off, I wouldn't know. And I, it just was this whole snowball. And I, I felt like, like I said, there was this mirror in front of my face. And I was like, if I don't deal with her, I'm going to keep sabotaging everything in front of me. Like I have to deal with the person here. And that's kind of where it started for me and it's still going. It's going to be going until the day I die. <laughs> but mm. um, that was the starting point was just realizing like, I, oh my gosh, I, I can't be happy with who I am because I don't know who I am. I don't know how I'm feeling. I don't know what I, I don't know who and what and why I am. So. Yeah, I was the same actually. I felt like I didn't know who I was until I was, um, like 30 or something so it was it was I was living so much for other people and um that for what I thought I should be doing rather than who I was so I had no sense of identity and no sense of what my values or beliefs about the world were I was just like this kind of empty shell (laughs) really um right and not for nothing but people as as parents and as families and as friends you know, um, you really just try to coddle other people and that's, that's love, right? If a child is crying, they're there. Or if a child is angry, go to your room or, you know, all of these different things that they work for, for busy parents or they work for family members. Um, when in reality, the narrative, I'm, I'm noticing it shifting even with young parents that are my friends to, um, can you tell me what you're feeling? Can you tell me why you're crying? That didn't exist when I was growing up and Mm. I'm a, uh, first-generation American family of immigrants. And so we're Middle Eastern. That's not a thing. Feelings are not a thing. Mm. Um, And so this is definitely a very new and raw experience for me. I mean, there was actually a lot of PTSD that came up when I first started the self-awareness journey. And I was like, wow, I really kept the beast in a cage for a really long time. Mm. Yeah. Um. And so what, can you give an example of like a challenge that you face personally and how you've kind of overcome it? Yeah. So um, uh, I guess let's see. Um, I think the biggest challenge for me is really what I would call the, the, the kind of culmination of where it all erupted. And 
it was just, um, I was, I was just in a situation where I was getting a lot of push pull from a certain person and, and getting, um, I don't want to say fed, but being told like, yes and no, yes and no, yes and no regarding things in, in my life and things in work. And I know I'm being a little vague here, so I apologize, but, um, really what ended up happening was I was really like, I was about to crack. Like if, if a serial killer could be made, I was about to be one. I, I, I have no idea how to explain it. I was about to go crazy. I, I had so much going on inside me at any given moment that I, I was like, I would just sleep for days, for weeks. I didn't have a job for months. I literally moved from a to from New Jersey to a different state, back to New Jersey. I was trying to run away from myself. Um, and so what ended up happening was I couldn't pin my emotions and then I had to. And it hurt like can I curse? Like it, it hurt like a it hurt like a bitch. I it was painful. Like no one tells you that the journey, everyone tells you the journey is difficult, but no one tells you that it hurts like hell. And when I had to look at a situation for what it was, not just, Oh, it hurt me with words, but this situation poked me and prodded me in this specific area. And this is the emotion I'm feeling because of it. And now I'm feeling vulnerable and now I'm feeling weak and now I'm feeling angry. And because I'm angry, I have to, I feel like I want to do that. And following that trail is, I mean, it is the, the crux of self-awareness, but it, it was difficult and it was painful and it hurts and it still hurts. I, I, I am a really self-aware person, but I have my moments where I didn't realize something was creeping up on me and I have to follow that, you know, the little white rabbit back to its hole and it, it still hurts. It still hurts every time, but I love it because I'm not holding year long grudges. I'm not waking up one day understanding where all this pain and anger is coming from really it's okay this is going to be over in less than two days and I know it because I'm gonna be able to have the language to communicate what's going on Mm. yeah and so I guess I was I was gonna ask like how self-awareness has impacted you and I I feel like you've kind of explained like that quite quite a bit already but Katie is there anything else you'd like to add on that Um, yeah, I, I honestly think it's made me more understanding of people with self-awareness comes emotional intelligence. Like, um, I think, you know, the two definitely go hand in hand, but if you are emotionally intelligent towards other people, that doesn't make you self-aware at all. That makes you very good at observing. But when you are self-aware and you're honest with yourself about it and you just realize the types of flaws, but also the like the hidden hurt child or the, you know, the person who's in pain behind the anger or the frustration. When you realize that that's coming out of you and you have to cope a certain way to survive, quote unquote, you have a lot more grace for people. You have a lot more patience and understanding for people. Um, You're a lot more sensitive. You're a lot more compassionate in a sense. And so that's, I've always been a natural person you know, a natural person who's loved people, but was always really disappointed by them. And I just woke up one day and wasn't disappointed anymore because I just understood. I understood that hurt people hurt people. And it's just made me understand. Mm, yeah. Um, and so what are some tips for, for like the list, my listeners and um, your listeners, whoever's listening, really, <laughs> um, to strengthen their self-awareness. <laughs> Sorry, I just 
you don't actually know if I lose my words. <laughs> I lost them. <laughs> um, That's okay. Um, I would say, I mean, first and foremost, if you can get into the Enneagram, that thing will hurt your feelings, but it helps. Um, that, you know, if you, I, I always recommend talking to a coach or reading a book about it instead of like doing an online quiz. But um, it's certainly helped. It's what started my journey. But if you're not into that or you just kind of want one tangible piece of advice, ask yourself why. So um, the best example is you get home from a long day and there are dishes in the sink and you are about to plunge a knife into your husband's heart and you want to, you need to stop and ask yourself why. Why am I angry? Well, there are dishes in the sink. Why does that make me angry? Because I have to do the dishes because he didn't. Well, what's wrong with that? Why does that piss me off? Um, because I'm the only adult around here because I'm the only one that does things. Well, why do you feel like you're the only adult around here? Well, because when I was growing up, I was the responsible. And so it's, you follow these chains of events and it becomes a, a mental practice. And that seems long. It seems long to do in a moment of anger, but it's like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the easier it is to, to bend and to shape it. And so um, the more often you do that, you practice those exercises in the moment it comes to you more quickly. You just realize like, oh, this is making me angry because of this. Mm. This is why I feel this way. And now that I realize this isn't as big of a deal as I think it is, I can do these dishes, communicate my feelings and just get over it. Mm. Yeah. And you get to the, yeah, getting to the root, the root of that stuff is really valuable um, because you can clear it yeah. and shift it and move through it. Um yeah, I really like that as an exercise as well because I think it's something that anyone can start practicing and start integrating like right now for anything. And I mean, yeah. gosh, I know I still like often have things like that <laughs> that come up you yeah, know, me too. Like, me too. All, <laughs> all the time. Um, and so what makes you feel like inspired or like your best self? Um, that's, that's a great question. Uh, I think the things that make me feel inspired are, um, having impactful things to do. Like I'm very much a type A person, but I don't like to be a busybody. And so for me, if like I'm doing one really impactful thing a day, um, and it takes up my whole day, that doesn't bother me. I, so I, I really like doing impactful things and I like when things, so, um, if, you know, today I woke up at 4 a.m. I realized that this morning it was my sweet spot. So I woke up at 4 a.m. I had my little coffee routine and I answered emails and did a bunch of things until about 9 a.m. And I felt like it was just so impactful that I literally just spent the rest of the day with my mom, worked on some online stuff that wasn't related to work. And so that really inspires me. I also love things that directly impact people for their greater good. I don't know, just like people grade. So that it inspires me. Yeah. Yeah, I love that too. And I mean, I guess that's why we're in the um the coaching world because it can be so impactful and you can really help people and see see people like it's kind of like a butterfly trans transforming into a butterfly kind of thing, you know. It's so it's so fulfilling. Um Yeah. I actually, so funny story. So I, the first client I ever booked, um, 
she is just one of the greatest people I know. But I was telling her a story about one of my neighbors who, long story short, but one of my neighbors who prematurely gave birth at like six months in our apartment building and how I called the cops and I didn't realize what was happening and they were able to like save the baby and baby's all good. And today I helped them bring in their crib so they can bring baby home and all this stuff. And, you know, she, she responded to me and was like, you saved them. You saved him. She's like, you just, she's, you save people. You save people from themselves. And I was like, (laughs) it was just the moment that I was like, I, I don't, money's great and I have goals. I want to own a Tesla. Like I have all of these, these goals, but if all I do is impact one person, that one person that I impacted for the rest of my life, I'm good. And I've done it. Um, that is why I do this. I'm not trying to, you know, be a seven figure gajillionaire. That's not the goal. The goal is to help people. Mm, That's beautiful. Um, and what are you curious about right now? Um, to be honest, I'm really curious about whether or not celery juice actually heals diseases. That's <laughs> what right. I'm curious about. Uh, do, you, do you celery juice? Do you have it? I do. I, I've done it. I can't, I'm just, I don't know why I'm just not consistent. I hate cleaning my juicer. I think that's why, that's but, um, I'll do it for three days and then I'm like, Mm-mm, no more. Yeah, we we did it. We had a phase where we were really doing it every day, and it was it was getting. I mean, it wasn't really in comparison to other things. It wasn't expensive, but it felt like it was getting expensive. And then our juicer just it it was a fairly cheap one, and it kind of just started making this weird sound. It was so loud. You could probably hear it outside. It was so loud. <laughs> yeah, so I, we stopped, and so I haven't done it for ages, but um, I was doing it every day, and I was feeling good. Like I felt like I loved starting my day with it, but um, I might have to get it. I'll have to get a new juicer, I think, before I can do it again. Um, yeah. yeah, interesting thing to be curious about. Do you find, have you found... Um, do you feel good having it when you do it? I do. I eat a mostly plant-based diet, um, and gluten-free as well. And so I was just super curious because I mean, I, I've seen people like reverse certain disease with, you know, by eating plant-based or by cutting other things out. But, um, the celery juice, I would, I don't want to call it a fad, but, um, fad for lack of a better word, it's Mm -hmm. just, it's gone viral and people are like, no, I don't have cancer anymore. I'm like, what? (laughs) So I've just, I've been very curious and uh, I'm a chronic researcher, so I don't like to jump into anything unless I know that it's not going to, I I don't need to know that it's going to be successful. I just need to know that if it fails, it's not going to cost me a great deal and Mm. then I'll do it. So yeah, right. Well, it's a, it seems like a great thing. Um, I really like his books. Uh, as well, I haven't really followed through with um, any of the other lifestyle habits, um, <laughs> but they're good books. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're just there's they're, there's so much to them. And as someone with like um, Hashimoto's and vitiligo and all that stuff, like the protocols that are in place are so strict that it's over. It can feel overwhelming. Um, and I just don't prioritize it, prioritize it as much as I could, I suppose. 
Um, but yeah. And what's your favorite book and why? Oh, um, hmm. I love the, the giver and the whole series. It's a, it's a book that I don't know if you've heard of it, but in, heard of it. in the States that, okay. In the States we have to read it in high school and sometimes in middle school. Um, but it's about this, it, there's a whole series on it, but there, it's about this utopian society that sees in black and white has one temperature and it, everything is very strict and by the book and they don't realize that it's, it's that way. And there's one man in the community uh, who's the giver and he has all of the memories from the past. So he knows what feelings are like, what tastes are like, what colors are like. And he chooses one person, every generation to pass it down to. Um, and that person makes a sacrifice to, he's a child, he's a teenager, and he makes a sacrifice to leave the community so that people can get their sense of wonder back. And it's, it's a book I've been reading almost every year since I was a kid, not a kid, yeah. like in middle school, but as an adult, like you can really enjoy it. It is so beautiful. I cry every time. <laughs> oh, it sounds lovely. Who's that by? Who's the um, Lois Lowry. Oh, okay. I've I've heard of her. Yeah, I will put that in the show notes um, for sure. And so room, desk or car, which would you clean first? Okay, I told my sister that and she was like, this person clearly doesn't know you at all (laughs) because car would like not be on that list at all. No, Um, I need that. My room is fairly organized. My room is fairly organized. My desk is a mess, but that's just because I have a lot of stuff that I need on my desk. My car, no hope. No hope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my house, <laughs> to be honest, feels a bit like that at times with kids, but, well, with a four-year-old. The baby's not so messy. Um, <laughs> four-year-old, mm. <laughs> And uh, my car, yeah, doesn't have a hope. But um, what, and what profession other than your own would you love to attempt? So I actually have dreams of being an FBI agent. Oh, um, yeah. I used to want goal. that one too. Yeah. So that's um, – it's, it's definitely a goal of mine to do. I actually just downloaded the app so you can test your um, physical aptitude to take the FBI exam because you have to take it before you take the test, after the interview, and then in the training academy. And so they test you for it. But um, – it's definitely a goal of mine. I just was like, wow, like if I can coach so I can protect and help and bring to wholeness other people, like why can't I do that for my government? That would be cool. <laughs> so yeah, this is awesome. something I would love to explore. Yeah. Cool. I really like that. So, and that's actually something that you're still considering, which is cool. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and on a scale of um, one to 10, how weird are you? <laughs> Man, <laughs> <laughs> such a hard answer because it's, I, I'm going to say seven because I meet some people who relate to me to a T. Mm. Um, and then I meet people who really like, I don't know how else to say this, but you know, next to New Jersey is, is Pennsylvania and it's so Caucasian that we call it Pennsylvania. Like it's like okay. the South. 
but it's actually yeah. Pennsylvania. And so um, I've met people from there and they don't really understand my culture and they don't really understand like certain foods like hummus, like things like that. And so to them, I would be weird, but really I'm, I don't think I'm a weird person. I'm not odd. So yeah. maybe seven. It's all, <laughs> but, it's all, it is all perspective really. I, I don't know. I just seem to throw that question in there because it, it's interesting, but yeah. it's, it's such a perspective thing. Like your, your context and frame of reference just, yeah, I yeah. think I would be the same in some ways. I've had many people, well, actually, so I have a lot of, you know, growing up here, I have a lot of friends who are American, but are not like first generation American. They're like seventh generation American or like they, their families are from here. And um, they end up loving the culture that I help to like enlighten them to. And so it's, it, it's always great. But at first it's like, that's weird. That's weird. <laughs> like, no, it's not. Just try it. Yeah. Um, and in terms of your, like, journey is, like, your career and stuff, what, what do you wish you'd known when you started out? Hmm. I wish I had known that support doesn't always look the way you think it does and the people who support you in the beginning may not always support you along the way. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean they bash you or tell you it's a bad idea. They're just, they just become indifferent. It's just, um, something that happens. I wish I had known that. I think, um, recently I'm coming out of a season where that disappointment was really overwhelming. I'm a new business mm. owner. And so, um, I was like, wow, you know, I have friends who literally have supplied me with what I need for my business, laptop, phone, you know, different things like that, like wow. investors. And and then I have friends who are just very indifferent and they just kind of want to know what I'm doing because they want to know the next move. And so it's like, okay, I have to battle that disappointment by just realizing that people are people and it's going to happen. And I wish I'd known that sooner. Yeah, that's so true. I I've really, I really experienced that too. There are just some people and like it's not necessarily in a bad way, but some people just don't get it and they just don't like they're on their path and um, doing yeah. their thing. And I, I've definitely like got people that I'm not really friends with anymore. It's totally changed um, because my career's opened up a whole like bag of worms of different things that I'm interested in now that I wasn't before yeah. so there's that but then there are other people that like some of my really dear friends who are really we really live really different lives and they have no interest in what I do and don't they don't get it or don't like support what I do not that they don't support it but they don't like they're not in in some way like they're like sharing right. stuff or whatever you know um but I'm still really close to them. And and I got that, I yeah. had that disappointment too. It's like, well, like in my head, I was like, well, I would share like their stuff or promote, like to promote their business. Right, them. Right. Um, and it took me a really long time to reconcile that in myself and realize that it doesn't mean that you can't still be close friends with someone or can't like, you know, like, it's to me it comes back to 
I was going to say free will, but it's like everyone has to trust themselves and lean into what what they love yeah. and share what they love. Which and and yeah, I'm a big advocate for like supporting your friends and I often and people that you're close to too. But it doesn't have to be a given, I guess. Right, and I think that's that um, support doesn't look always the way we think it does. Like I had this conversation with my boyfriend recently where I was like, I feel like if someone asked you what I did for work, you would have no idea how to answer. Mm. And he didn't disagree, but I then I thought about it and I was like, wait a second. When I have a new idea, when I wanted to start a podcast, when I wanted to start a business, you know, for the love of God, I, I he was the first person I called and he was like, go for it. And I was like, okay, so the first person I'm talking to about my big dreams is pushing me, forcing me to, to follow my dreams. That's support. Mm-hmm. So maybe he doesn't do stuff on Instagram, but he's still supporting me in the way that he can do best. And so like really just wrapping my mind around um, likes are not support, shares are not support. They're part of support, but really support is who is behind you empowering you to be your best? Because when you are at your best, your best work comes out and whoever it needs to fall upon, it will. Exactly. Um, so that's really what you're supposed to do, yeah. Totally. And I mean, having someone that believes in you, like like that, telling you to go for it, that is huge. I mean, that's that's an incredible partner to have, you know. Um, and my partner is very similar. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really amazing. Awesome. Um, and. So what would you say to that like fresh, like starting out version of Jackie? Oh man. I would say hone in and focus. Don't try to, you know, try to pinpoint what all of these desires that you want to accomplish have in common. That's really going to be important. When I first started out, I had, I wanted to be, an Enneagram coach. I wanted to be a life coach. I wanted to be a business coach. I wanted to do this. I wanted to write books. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do all of these things and I had to kind of shrink them down and realize they all came from one place, um, to help others to become self-aware. And that's really where I would, so I would tell her to calm the hell down and to <laughs> pick, pick one thing and really focus heavily on that. Um, but then to go at it full speed. And I would also tell her that great thing, um, great people do things before they're ready. Um, and you're never actually ready. So just do it. Um, I literally, I always tell people about my little red binder. I had this binder that, um, it's, it was just getting fuller and fuller. I would just print out a little bit every day at, at my job, how to start a business, how to do this, how to do a website, like all of these things. And they were just in my binder and I just didn't execute it because I was so scared. I got let go from my job in a finance company. There was a day that like 30 people got let go. I didn't pay much attention to it. That was a Friday. By Monday I had a new job, which I got let go from in two months. And I got, I was like, I got fired back to back twice. And you know, my, my boyfriend was like, it's go time. Like it's go time. <laughs> I was like, yeah. no. But I, I would tell her, you know, great people do things before they're ready to do them. Mm, definitely. Um, 
And what would you do differently, if anything? Mm. I would have saved more money. Mm. Yeah. I would have saved more money to begin with, like on a personal front. Um, I moved out of my parents' house at 21 or 22 mm-hmm. um, and I'm 26 now. So I would, I wish I would have saved more money. Um, then again, I wish I would have known I was going to start a business then. But um, <laughs> if I had saved more money, I, think I could have focused on just my business instead of like business and part-time jobs or business and side hustle. And, you know, sometimes you got to do that, but I wish I would have saved more so I could just focus on my business. Mm. That's, that's, that's really useful. I think cause, um, I don't know. I, I feel like I would prefer like a lot of, I find a lot of people, and the coaching really encourage people to get into debt and stuff for their businesses. And I really think if you can avoid that and like save and back yourself, yeah, I'm not, I'm not into that at all. Mm-hmm. Like, because I just really believe you save for it and you set yourself up for success, you know? Um, I mean, what you start out with really, or your your position, um, and I'm not talking about financially, I'm talking about your heart position, it determines how you're going to go. And so realistically, if you're starting out in debt, the first thing you're wondering is when you're going to make your first million because you're trying to make it back, fix your credit, you know, never have to worry about money again. But if you are saved and you're, you're comfortable and you're able to kind of take it one day at a time, yeah, you want to make money, but you're not focused on that as a problem to be solved and you can just live in the abundance that you have as it comes to you. So Mm -hmm. I just feel like the way you start out is so detrimental. And I really feel like if you're going to have like a shitty attitude about it, like give it a month, just give it a month. (laughs) Mm. And you serve so much more deeply from your heart space in like from a place of just adding value because you want to help people rather than I've got to get this many clients right now and like make the money so that I can, um, clear the debt whatever it is so yeah that's Mm -hmm. I I totally agree um and you can tell I think it can really come through like you know I'm a big believer in energy and stuff and I think you can really feel that when um Mm -hmm. someone's just trying to make money versus actually trying to really help and um if you could remove or like obstacles and barriers and constraints, what project would you love to work on and be known for? Oh, group trainings. Like if, if I could do just one thing for the rest of my life, I would do group Enneagram trainings. I love sitting in a room with people. I love making people cry. I do. I, not in a mean way. I just do. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I love the workshop that I hold for the Enneagram because I go through all of the types, the fears, the desires, the motivations. I talk about leadership styles. I talk about healthy, average and unhealthy behaviors. I, I go through all of it and people cry. People leave the room. People curse. Like they're like, they're so angry to hear about these parts of themselves, but they're the ones that come up to me after the meeting and they're like, okay, what do I do next? And those are, my favorite moments. Um, also realistically, I love group trainings because they actually 
pay for and fund um, the work that I can do for free. So the way I have it set up is that my group trainings cover most of the costs so that if there is um, a single mom of two and she just, she needs a little, a little boost, I can say, hey, I've got three sessions, no charge. Go, let's, let's, let's see what we can do in three sessions. Because, so, I mean, if I can focus on one thing forever and no obstacles, no constraints, it would be the group coaching because it yields not just results um, financially, not just results in, in groups and companies and those workshop settings, but also for the people who need the help but can't afford it. Mm, that's beautiful and do you do those group trainings like in for businesses and stuff like corporate environments yes so mainly startups um which are great because they're heavily like generation z millennial um and they are really into okay let's bring self-awareness into the workplace it's very Mm. very 2020 so um, yeah a, a lot of millennial workplaces and startups but um a lot, also a lot of like women's groups or, you know, church ministries or like any, any group where people who trust each other gather those, um, these events are great, especially cause you can feel safe to be yourself in, in those groups. Mm, yeah. Um, and what's the best compliment you've ever received? Oh my God. Okay. So, um, there is um, a, a friend of mine and she, I had been meeting with her a little bit before I was a coach, actually, so years before I was a coach and, you know, just comforting her through some things that she was going through. And she just was like, oh, like you feel like home. <sighs> and I just, it, like it hurt in a good way. And I just, I couldn't stop thinking about it, but I was talking to her, you know, two weeks later and some random person, not random, but random to the conversation, a friend of mine, he just jumped in and he was like, you feel like home. And she and I just looked at each other like, what? (laughs) Wow. Um, But yeah, my type, uh, my Enneagram type, I'm a type two, they call it the helper or the advocate or the befriender. Um, They, they say like, if a home was a person, it would be an Enneagram too. And so that makes sense. But that was the greatest compliment I ever received because I just, I knew it was genuine. I didn't say, I wouldn't say I believed it immediately, but um, it was genuine. And I I just was like, wow, like I feel like a safe place for people. Like that's the greatest compliment I could ever receive. Mm, That's lovely. That hits you in the heart. Like when you said that, I was like, oh, I feel that's a great one. (laughs) Um, And what's one thing your work's done for someone you didn't expect? Mm -hmm. Okay, so this, um, so obviously, you know, coaching, it's not therapy, it's not counseling. I always, you know, I I do tell my clients that do want to sign up, like if they are having issues that are clinical, I I do require, you know, a a counselor to sign off, you know, they're very different things. But one thing that I think they have in common is something I didn't expect. And when I was going over some things with a client, doing that why exercise, asking, where did this come from? Why do you feel this way? It brought a memory that she had suppressed or repressed to the surface. And she just started crying and going over the memory with me. Um, so it was like, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect someone to have a memory that they just didn't realize existed for 25 years, come to the surface due to 
asking the right questions that thought like, Oh, that's a counseling thing. That's a, you know, um, the eye desensitization, desensitization, you know, the EDMR or something where you desensitize your eyes and you unlock memories or something like that. It's like a, a clinical thing. I was like, Oh, that's for the doctors. And, you know, I just didn't think that would happen. And it was an honor to be, to be part of that and to know that, okay, I, I am asking the right questions for this person. Mm, yeah. And I, I know that coaching can go really deep into that stuff as well. Um, I've experienced yeah. that with clients too, and it's, it's really, really powerful. And it's, I mean, coaching, when I was doing my coach training and um, stuff, I had some big shifts happen for myself, releasing a lot of trauma. And like, that's when I like found my identity, I guess, um, mm-hmm. as well. So I really believe, believe in that. Um, so what does elevating your life and soul mean to you? I think, you know, for me, I really believe that elevating your life and soul is being committed to being the best version of you, not a different version of you, not the best version of someone else, but elevating yourself, elevating your soul, like being the best version of the person that you were always made to be being the best version of the person that you are now. Um, I think that, you know, that, that obviously speaks for itself, but not really desiring to be a new person or a different person, but to just be the best you. Um, I really think that that's what it means to me. Mm, Yeah, totally. And I mean, that's really at the heart of my work is finding your voice and that is like being your authentic self, not trying to be anything because as soon as you step into try, you stop being who you are. It's just about accepting all of you and being who you are and always were. So yeah, it really aligns, I feel, with your definition of elevating your life and soul. And um, is there anything that I haven't asked you that I wish that you wish that I asked? Mm. Honestly, no. Like, I think you hit it on the head. I'm, I'm, seriously sometimes I, I leave conversations or interviews and I'm like didn't even ask me about that like I really feel like you hit it on the head like such a thank wide you. spectrum of things so, no I don't thank <laughs> you I'm, I, I'm receiving that feedback I really appreciate that um I liked I wanted to that's my ultimate intention so that means a lot to me um yeah. and so in light of that how what do you have on offer? Like, what are you sharing? And where can people find you? Just jam a little on that stuff. Absolutely. So if you want to see some fun, inspiring Instagram posts, you can find me at on Instagram at table for nine coaching. That's F O R and the digit nine. Um, and same thing, you know, table for nine coaching, same spelling.com. Um, I would love to work with people to have people on my podcast to be on their podcast. I love to coach and help people figure out their Enneagram type, um, instead of having them take an online test. So I'm always available for that. And I'm always running sales on that. So if you want to, y'all want to keep your eyes peeled, <laughs> cause it's my favorite thing to do. Um, 
think that's it. I think that's mm-hmm. all I perfect. And I'll um in the table for nine podcasts as well. Sorry. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. So I will put all of the links in the show notes so that it will be really easy for people to get to. So it's been so fun. Um, I mean, we only connected really recently, and I. I've I really have enjoyed our conversation so far and today was just great. <laughs> it was so easy to talk to you. So absolutely been a pleasure. So thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you for having me. You're such a pleasure as well. Thank you so much for listening. I really am so grateful. And if you really love this episode, I'd love you to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me an honest review. Let me know what you love about the podcast and what you'd love more of because your honest feedback really helps me make it the best it can possibly be. Thank you so much and I'll see you on the next one.